I can't believe they let us come back. I know, I know. I, Pastor Caleb actually talked to us about doing both of those early on, and I was like, hey, you should probably keep it on the download just in case Mother's Day like crashes and burns, so like, you have an out, right? Yeah, you yeah. don't have to feel guilty about I, not having us back. So. Pastor Terry was in the back, and he said, hey, so you're bringing the word today, and I said, I'm just going to really try hard not to say anything I'm going to regret. That's all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't always plan the things that come out. Yeah. Well, maybe we should talk to Jesus first. Maybe we should and then pray we'll, about it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Please just stretch your hands out to us and just like agree with us in Jesus' name that uh, I don't say anything I regret. Lord, I'm just so grateful. We are so grateful that we get to be here in this room yeah. surrounded by beautiful people all on the same journey mm. toward heaven. I thank you, God, for um, the men that are in this room yeah, man. and the lives that they have led. And God, we just ask that today as we bring your word and as we um, just speak what is true, that you would use these words to encourage, that you would use these words to inspire, that you would use them, God, to um, bring freedom, mm -hmm. and God, that you would use them for your glory and for your purpose mm -hmm. and for your kingdom for generations to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 Well, um, dads in the room, let's just be honest, none of us had any idea what we were in for when this whole journey began, right? Um, like, I'm, even from the very beginning for us, I remember being in the hospital when our oldest was on the way being born, and like, I'm just trying to stay awake. Like, all of our kids were born in the middle of the night, like, every one of them. I'm like, He really? was reading Reader's Digest. I was. He was. I was. I I'm, was doing the hard, heavy work. I, it's true. And like, I'm falling asleep and the nurses are coming over like, Mr. Reese, it's time to wake up. And I'm like, why? You know? um, and from the, like, right from the very beginning, we just had no idea what we were in for in this amazing journey. And uh, there's a book called A Man Called Daddy by Hugh O'Neill. And he starts his book off with these words. He says, I got bushwhacked by fatherhood. <laughs> I had no idea what was ahead of me, no idea what I was about to go through. I had no idea that I would one day reach into the glove box for a map and get bitten by a turtle, <laughs> or that I would ever swallow a little green Monopoly house. I never imagined I would learn the gestation period of a domestic hamster or find fruit in my shoes. I had no idea that Josh and his sister Rebecca, who was to follow three years later, would call my bluff on every blowhard promise I had ever made. Of course, I also had no idea I could feel so deeply or that tucking children in would have the serenity of prayer or that being their father would renovate my heart. Only now, after a decade of daddy tumult, delight, and dread, can I see clearly. Now I know that fatherhood is a bridge, a passage from all those windy heroic vows to the real-life elations of doing your best on behalf of the kids. Now I know that fatherhood is a pilgrim's path, Littered with marbles and most of your plans, my wisdom didn't come easy. I had to survive the mini-golf disaster at the Poconos Putterama and that incident with the circus clown. I had to rescue Mr. Buttons from the median strip of I-95, and I had to spend, spend a little over a zillion dollars on batteries. I had to take a fall before I saw the light. And... You know, let's face it, being a dad in today's culture is a challenge, right? I mean, we have dad jokes. Uh, we have dad jeans. This is a dad bod. <laughs> like all the dad things are like downer, downer dad stuff, right? Being a, cha being a dad in this culture is a, is a challenge, right? Uh, that wasn't in the notes. That was a good one. 
That's a good dad joke. Give him props for that. In our house, um, our father-in-law lives with us right now, and he loves to crack jokes, loves to crack jokes. And everybody's like, don't make eye contact. Do not make eye contact. Whatever you do, do not laugh. You laugh one time. We're gonna in, we're in for some serious jokes for a while. So. Usually the same one just a little while later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but really, honestly, if we would just think through the evolution of the fathers um, that we've even seen through generations in the media, um, it's kind of the good, bad, and the ugly, right? I mean, how about Ward Cleaver in Leave It to Beaver? And this one was one of my favorites. Some people have no idea. I actually had to sing the song for him to remember what I was talking about. But um, Tom Corbett, does anybody know who Tom Corbett is? So date you. Courtship of Eddie's father. That was so good. Jeannie's with me all <laughs> the way. How about Mike Brady in the Brady Bunch? Okay. Yeah. How about Darth Vader in Star Wars? Luke, I'm not. I am your father. <laughs> yes. I'm not even going to try to do okay. that. Uh, Danny Tanner, any Danny Tanner lovers in this room? The full house. How about this one? Talk about evolution of the fathers in our culture. Al Bundy and Married with Children. Homer Simpson. Yeah. The Simpsons. Eric Taylor, Friday Night Lights, anyone? Anyone? Jack Pearson. Person, is it person? Person, yes. Jack Person. <laughs> this is us. Caitlyn Jenner. Keeping, Keeping up, up with the Kardashians. Kardashians. Yeah. We've had quite an evolution. We went from Ward Cleaver to Caitlyn Jenner, keeping yeah. up with the Kardashians. Yeah, Hollywood is really all over the map when it comes to examples of fathers, good fathers, bad fathers, um, and not so, not so um, admirable fathers. And I know that like in this room today, many of us kind of have the same story. We've, we've seen the good, we've seen the bad, we've seen the ugly. Mm. Maybe some of us in this room have been the good, have been the bad, have been the ugly. Um, fatherhood is no joke. Yeah, and, and in the end, uh, it just leaves us guys, you know, a little more in the dark about how, how to be a great dad, right? When we have all these conflicting examples. And so, you know, I believe there's really only one that has risen to the dad challenge perfectly. Yeah. And that's the God of the Bible, our Heavenly Father. That, that daddy that Pastor Caleb talked about in our message last week in, in our Galatians series, who, who we need desperately. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at what that one perfect example has to say about being a dad and see if we can shed a little light on this subject. So we have some dad challenges for you this morning, guys in the room. So dad challenge number one, teach your kids. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, the instruction from the Lord is direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. Dads, this, this is our responsibility. Yeah. Before it's the school's job, Amen. before it's the government's job, before it's the church's job, it's our job to teach our kids. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Sanders of The Manhood Journey says, when you see yourself... As the lead responsibility holder, it means you see all other people around you as your assistants. Grandparents, teachers, pastors, coaches, you name the person, doesn't matter how expert they may be, he or she is your assistant in raising your child. Dads, this is our responsibility to teach our children. So if we want our kids to obey God's word, we have to, raise, we have to rise to the challenge of teaching them to obey God's word. 
If we want them to be respectful of other people, we have to teach them to be respectful of others. If we want them to have servant's hearts, we have to teach them what it looks like to have a servant's heart. If we want them to be good citizens in our city, in our state, in our nation, in our world, we have to teach them how to be good citizens. What does that look like? If we want them to walk humbly through life, we have to teach them, we have to model for them what humility looks like. It is our responsibility. So dads, let's teach our kids. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about, um, we have all of our children home this weekend, which is always such a huge blessing to us. And we have five grandchildren, and they're all going to be here today. So if you hear crazy going on, it's probably our family. Um, but I was watching you yesterday with Finley. And it's not, it, it's never, you never stop teaching the children. Even if they're not your own children, you never stop teaching the children. Um, and, and if you're a grandpa, you still have a huge job of teaching the children, not only leading your own, but leading your grandchildren and then leading their children. Yeah. Um, this is an ongoing job. And something that is really, really important that, that, that is really, Shan and I talk about this all the time, and if you've been in our parenting class, you've heard us say this, but um, you, if, you have to have your, a family identity. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're gonna teach your children, one of the best ways that you can do it is by helping them understand who they are who they are in Christ, who they're intended to be, and who your family is in Christ. You have to have a family identity. And, you know, like a lot of times when we were raising our kids, well, so-and-so gets to do this and -and so-and-so gets to do that. And we'd say, well, maybe so, but they're not a DeVries. DeVries do this. This is what DeVries do. So give your family a strong family identity. They say that your child... Your children, um, their, their ability to, to withstand peer pressure is only as strong as your family's identity. Mm. So make sure that your kids know who they are. And another thing is, you know, there are things that we say, this is what DeVries do, this is what DeVries don't do. Mm-hmm. DeVries honor, DeVries respect, <clears throat> DeVries forgive, DeVries serve, this is what we do. But there's a lot of things that our children learn from that we do not say. It could have everything to do with the way that we behave. It could be everything to do with what we allow to come into our home through the media, through the television. Um, it reminds me of our daughter, our, our oldest daughter, when she was like, I don't know, she, was, she, was, she couldn't have been maybe two and a half because she had her pacifier in her mouth. And um, one of her favorite shows, this is embarrassing actually, I didn't realize I was going to be embarrassed about this, was um, the... Uh, 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, the original like yeah. cartoon version. Old 101 Disney Dalmatians. VHS version, yeah. And um, I said one time, about the time she uses the word idiot, this show goes away. Which I should have known. That was my cue, right? Little Cruella DeVille. Yeah. You idiot. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're loading up the car. Our, our second is just an infant in an infant car seat. And I'm, I'm getting her locked in. And my Lauren is right here at my hip. And the wind is blowing, and the wind kind of blows the, the door against both of us. And she says behind her passy, Mom, you idiot. <laughs> and it was like, okay, we're not watching that show anymore. But you have to be careful what your children catch. You have to be careful about what your children catch. So your family identity is very important. The second thing, dad challenge number two, is discipline your kids. Yeah. You know, um, 
I know that like when dads are working all day um, and moms maybe are home, there are some households that still do the stay at home thing. Um, moms don't want to be the ones that have to do this all the time. It's very, very important that, that children see the men in the home lead um, through discipline. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 24, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Mm-hmm. Hate their children. That's a very, very strong implication. Yeah. Last week, Pastor Terry was up here on the stage, and he said, how many of you like kids? And then Jeanette said, you can't ask that question. You can't ask that question. Because um, we all like kids, right? But I would say this to you. If you don't discipline your kids, you don't love your kids. Mm. I had a conversation with a friend recently, and mm. she said, I just don't want them to hate me. Mm. I just don't want them to think, I don't want them to hurt their feelings. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I said, what you do, when you discipline your children, you're loving them. You have to show them that you love them too much not to lead them. That's how much you love them. It's, we're not worrying about their feelings. We're, we're worried about their character. Yeah. So yeah. we need to be careful, full of care, to discipline our children. The word discipline has the word disciple in it, mm-hmm. which we are all familiar with the word disciple. It means to teach and to train. We're talking about discipling, teaching and training. We're not talking about punishment. Yeah. Punishment means to inflict. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Disciple, to teach. Punish means to afflict. One is what we do for our kids, and another one is what we do to our kids. And we want to become disciplers. And if yeah. you're not sure if what you're doing is good discipline, ask yourself these questions. Is what you're doing proactive? Is it perpetuating the kind of character that you want to see in your child? Mm. Is there a lesson in it? Is there a moral why in it? Is what you're doing proactive? Is it providing a safe, secure, a loving space for your child? That's proactive discipline. Is it corrective? Is it, are there multiple consistent reminders of what is right and what is good, what is moral, what is God's way? Mm. So is it corrective? How do we know if it's God's way? Man, I tell you, speak the word over your kids. Speak the word over your kids. Tell them what is true. And the last thing is, is it restorative? Does it build relationship? You know, when we discipline our children, if we don't have a plan, we're not going to get what what we're hoping for. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important as parents that we have a plan for how to discipline our children. Is it proactive? Is it corrective? And is it restorative? And discipline isn't about coming down on your kids all the time. Discipline is about, is about creating healthy relationship. And, is, and it's about celebrating healthy behavior. And when we do this, we are loving our children. Yeah, and, and discipline is one of those things, it's amazing how when we think of it in a parenting context, it kind of skews our, our perception of it. Yeah. But if you look in other walks of life, other areas of life, yeah. you know, I... I I used to have a pretty significant commute, and I would often listen to sports talk radio when I'd make that commute and other things, but I, I would listen to them talk about athletes. And if you think, you know, these are professional athletes, some of the most skilled, talented people in the world at what they do, uh, and they talk about them, like uh, in football, they talk about receivers as running disciplined routes. 
They talk about them having um, good discipline at the plate as a batter in baseball. Like, it, this is a positive, healthy thing that, that these men and women that are professional athletes, they, they put everything they have into being disciplined. And because, like Tina's talking about, they're being proactive, they're doing everything they can to set themselves up for that moment of success, and they're, they're getting ahead of it, and they're uh, creating opportunities for them to be the very best version of themselves that they can possibly yeah. be in those moments. And uh, moms and dads, that's what it's about with our kids. Yeah. We help our kids, we position them, we set them up to be the very best version of themselves they can possibly be in every moment yeah. as they go through life. And, and that's a whole different view of discipline than like just, ah, my kids, every time they do something that, you know, irritates me, right? right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, dad challenge number three, spend time with your kids. Spend time with your kids. Uh, if we look at Deuteronomy chapter six, uh, just one of the oldest instructions to us as parents uh, about how we do life with our kids, uh, it says in Deuteronomy six, starting in verse six, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands, wear them on your foreheads as reminders, write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. Talk to your kids. Spiritual conversations with our children. And, and let's take the mystery out of this, moms and dads, about having spiritual conversations with our kids. Like, this is the moment that you go out of this room after church today, and you find Pastor Sean, and you give him the biggest hug you've ever given anybody in your life, and you say, thank you for the car cards that you send us home with every week. That we can get in the car and drive away from the space and have spiritual conversations with our kids. Just about the things that are happening in life. Because we hear so many times in parenting class, whatever, moms and dads that want to have that with their kids. They're like, oh, I just don't know how to get started. I just don't know what to say. And we miss so many moments. It's, it's really not that complicated. There really isn't a lot of mystery to it. I, I understand why we feel those feelings. But you just have to take the plunge. And you just have to go for it. And have those heart-to-heart moments with your kids. I, one of the things that I did... That was super simple when our, our girls were growing up. Usually they rode to school with me. I, I would take them to school. His hair doesn't take nearly as long to get done. It's true. I had more then, but yeah, I did. Um, but they would ride with me. And at the time I was driving an old Chevy Silverado pickup. Uh, it was from that season in the, in the manufacturing where the paint was like had a problem. So the paint was like all peeling off. Like we were driving to school in a big chunk a of paint. A hot dad car. Over, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, it had the old radio uh, in it that you had to like push the things to make the uh, channels change. And it had they a cassette. Have, half these people don't even know. No, no, no. <laughs> but it had, a, it had cassette, you know, player and stuff like that. It was awesome. Uh, but the, whenever the girls would ride with me in, in my car, I, I told them that they got to be the DJ while they were in the car. Like, they, totally, they had total control over the radio, whatever they wanted to listen to. Uh, they were also climate control and navigator. But um, it, they were the DJ, and so I, just, I let them listen to whatever they want. But as we were listening to it, I would begin to talk to them about what we were listening to. Uh, and I, I remember, you know, lots of conversations. Some of them were really great. Some of them were really convicting. Um, I remember very distinctly driving down the, the main uh, street in the town we lived in at the time, and, 
and our oldest daughter had, you know, some song playing. I had a great beat to it and stuff. You know, I'm listening for a while, and I'm listening. I think I'm catching stuff, and I listen a little longer to make sure I'm catching it right. Uh, sometimes us old people, you know, can't understand the cool kids' music, right? But so I'm listening, and I listen, and so I turned her off to a little while, and I was like, so this song's all about marijuana? And she's like, what? And she's like, you know, she starts listening. She's like, oh, it is. You know, she's like pushing the knob. Yeah, like but there were sometimes they're like, you just ruined the song. I did. Yes. I did. They don't know sometimes. But it was, a great moment to, it was a great moment to have a very real conversation with my daughter about what she was listening to because she didn't get it. She didn't understand what the song was about. You know, she was enjoying the beat, and, and, and it gave me a very real opportunity to explain to her what she was taking in. And she made the choice in that moment to like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be listening to this anymore and, and change the channel. So take advantage of those opportunities. Lead your kids to wisdom. Those are those along-the-way conversations, just like yeah. Deuteronomy is talking about. It's like talk about them when you, when you rise and talk about them when you go to bed. Talk about them when you walk along the way. Those are those Deuteronomy conversations. Yeah. I, wonder, I wonder if they listen to that stuff. Probably not. I don't know. I should let them DJ in my car more. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, moms and dads, let's lead our kids to wisdom. Yeah. Let's, let's be purposeful. And let's take the initiative as we, as we do this with our kids. Let's, let's serve in kids' ministry in the spaces where they're receiving ministry. Let's get to know our kids' friends. Yeah. Let's know what's happening in their life. Uh, another thing that we did, just a really practical thing, is we made a, a real priority of family meals. Uh, around the table. And so that doesn't mean you have to cook them. It doesn't mean you have to cook them, right? <laughs> I'm just saying. It's true. I'm just saying. It's and they've true. got so many great thing, uh, like businesses now that will do all that for you. But family, family meals seem sometimes really intimidating to people. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean you have to cook it. You can cook it. That's always a good thing. But somebody else could too. Yeah. Little, little plug there for the yeah. Uber Eats. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, we really made it a priority, though, to do that, yes. and sometimes that was really hard. You know, when they got old enough, and they all had different sports schedules, and we had a work demands and things to do, but we really made it a priority. We went above and beyond to create that space, and around that, uh, around that table, uh, we, we had a practice of what we called peaks and pits, and, and we just go around the table and have every, everybody share, like, hey, what was the peak of your day? What was the high point of your day? And then also, what was the low point? What was the pit? in your day, and it just informed us in a very simple way what was going on in their lives. We learned so much that we would have been oblivious to otherwise just because we took time to have the conversation, and it became a normal part of our routine and our rhythm in our family, and so it... It also saves bedtime, man, <laughs> you know, because it seems like those things always come up when you're trying to tuck them in, so yeah. it, all, it really saves bedtime. Yeah. Pastor Kenny and Chelsea call these pickles and peaches. Pickles and peaches. So you call it whatever you want. Yeah. Get your kids talking. Apparently it has to start with a P, though. I don't know why. <laughs> just, just a simple observation. Um, uh, again, Ryan Sanders uh, from The Manhood Journey, he says, this takes being constantly involved. There is no time of day or night, no situation or circumstance that is off limits for carrying out your responsibility. So we have to be willing to go against the culture in this way. Um, to withstand the dissenting voices in this because um, God's voice needs to be the loudest voice. 
But we live in a culture right now that has lots of voices speaking to us about this very issue. Uh, about, you know, we used to ask kids, you know, what they wanted to be when they grow up and kind of let them have those choices. But now society is saying we have to let our kids uh, decide for themselves, like, what gender they're going to be and, and all these different things. And, and God says, and teach your kids. Speak, speak life, speak wisdom into them. Gary Etzo from Parenting from the Tree of Life says, your child's ability to withstand peer pressure is only as strong as your family's identity, which Tina talked about earlier. And, and this is where that identity comes back and really serves us well, that we have to make God's voice the loudest voice. And, and we have to get in those spaces where our kids are, listen to the things they have to say, give them opportunity to say those things and, and rise to the challenge in that way. Yeah, and this is a really good segue to the next point, which is be compassionate with your kids. Be compassionate. Um, yeah. Kids are facing some really, really difficult things in our culture right now. Yeah. And sometimes it just seems so ludicrous, right? It's like, what? And we have to be very careful um, not to shame our children when we're teaching them, but to be compassionate because what they are being subjected to and what they're learning in our culture right now seems very real. Yeah. Seems very real. And, 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 um, Can I jump in for yeah, a second? Yeah, go ahead. And let me just say, no matter how old your kids are, yeah. this is like for our kids that are grown out of the house, have their own families now, this is still important yeah. for, for them because they're facing challenges that are unique to their generation too. And they're facing really difficult things that maybe previous generations haven't. And I know we all, as we were growing up when we were teenagers, we all said to our mom, dad, you don't understand. It's not the same anymore. And to a certain degree, that's always true. But I think we're really, we're truly living out a day where, where it's true. Yeah. Where the things that these generations are facing as, as young parents, they're facing things that we didn't have to face. Yeah. And their children are facing things that, you know, our kids never had to face. So, sorry. Keep no, going. I love it. That's good stuff. Psalm 103, 13. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Yeah. The word compassion is based on um, words in the original language of scripture that mean the deepest, the innermost parts, um, the unseen organs, like the gut-wrenching things. Yeah. That's what the meaning of compassion in God's word is. Um, examples of that. Jesus had compassion, and he fed them. Jesus had compassion, and he touched their eyes. Jesus had compassion on the crowd, and he healed their sick. Jesus had compassion on her, and he touched her coffin. The father saw him and had compassion on him and ran to him and hugged him. That's a beautiful, beautiful example because it's speaking to God's compassion for us. God's compassion and God's love and God's endurance to wait on us until we, until we awaken to what is true and, and that, run to him. And that word in scripture, every time we find it, it's always attached to some sort of action. Yep. Compassion's never just the left there hanging on its own. It's always attached to action. Yeah, yeah. The Good Samaritan saw and took pity and had compassion on them and bandaged their wounds. Passion refers to deep feeling, and come means together with. So what will you do? What will you, what will you put together with your deepest feelings towards your children? What gut-wrenching conversations do you have with your children 
demonstrating compassion, demonstrating understanding of the things that they are facing right now. You know, sometimes our, ki- sometimes our kids, even our adult children, come on, sometimes we just make foolish choices, just foolish choices. But God's word says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. When we respond, when we disciple, we have compassion. We do this with compassion. Yeah, and ultimately, you know, think of how God looked upon all of us. Yeah. And, and still does. Had a, and still does, and, and had a compassionate response to our lostness, yeah. to the brokenness of our lives. And, and it was such a gut-wrenching response on God's part that he gave his one and only son. That was the action attached to his compassion for us, that he would give his very best so that we could be restored to relationship with him, so that we could be brought back, so that we could receive healing and wholeness. It reminds me of what what Jesus said um, about the two that were hanging on the the crosses next to him. Father, forgive them, and, and about the crowd who were condemning him and mocking him, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that's what I think of when I think of that kind of compassion. You just don't know yet. So I'm going to help you. I'm going to love you through this. Yeah. Okay, dad challenge number five. Listen and do. Listen and do. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, but don't just listen to God's word, right? You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And, and most of the time, as I've gone through life and I've been challenged by this verse, uh, maybe in times of devotions or I've heard a message or in some other way, I've, I've had this verse put in front of me and been challenged. Um, the focus has been so much on the doing part of it that the hearing part of it has kind of been pushed aside yeah. and almost out of the picture. And I've, I've just recently been challenged to, to kind of come back into that balance and make sure that both are, are part of what I'm hearing and, and doing. Uh, that was what the actual verse said. I didn't, yeah, anyway. Um, dads, we need to continue to put ourselves in places where we hear the word of God, where we hear the word of God. So let's be the ones that leads our families into this place of worship. Can I just say the, the world has never needed godly men like it does right now. It is, yeah. It's never needed the example of godly men like it does right now. Yeah. And, and in some respects, I, I understand that, that you're here in this space. And we have that phrase, preaching to the choir, right? Yeah. Um, and so dads, those men that are in the room today, thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank you for leading the way and, and choosing to be in this space. But let's use whatever influence God has given us on the others to bring them with us and bring them along. And, and it's, it's time for a renovation, a revolution of, of men, that, that they come back to this place of priority. And so you let, truly, let's be the ones that lead ourselves and our families into this place of worship. Let's be the ones that are going out to the growth group sign-up table first and signing our, our families, our, our wives and us up to be in a growth group. Let's be the ones to suggest to our spouses to take the parenting class or the marriage class. Let's be the ones that are letting our kids see us reading our Bibles. Let's lead the way in this because our, our world truly is desperate for men who will lead their homes in, in a spiritual way. Yeah, and can I just say too, I'm not a man, but I know that this is true, 
the young men in this room need the influence of the older men in this room. Yeah. And so if you're not raising children in your home still, did I say that right? Yeah. Um, we still need you. Yeah. Um, the, the young men in this room are raising children in a culture that they, it, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And they need your wisdom. They need your encouragement. They need your mentorship. They need your prayer. Yeah. So let's, let's be men that hear the word of God. And then let's take the natural next step to do what it says, to do that second part. Because they need to see us live it out loud. They need that. Um, our, uh, we're Oregon people originally and um, came, came, all right. Where was that? Where, all right. Uh, we love Washington. We do, really. We do. Um, our, coming up here, though, was uh, we came up here and kind of we crossed over 2014 and 2015. It was actually an incredibly painful experience that we went through, uh, something that we never, like, you know, one of those we got blindsided experiences. We got bushwhacked, we got bushwhacked. yeah. <clears throat> um, but it was, I mean, it really rocked our worlds in, at every level. And um, there, there was a, a definitive moment in which that happened where we came home uh, from work that day and called a family meeting. And usually when mom and dad walk in and call a family meeting, you know, like, it's like, ooh, you know, they're looking at each other like, what did you do? <laughs> Um, but we, we called a family meeting, and they could all tell it was very serious and very like, wow, what's going on? And um, and our, were Lauren and Jordan married yet? No, they weren't even. So our, our oldest daughter, uh, it was right before it was, it was like three weeks before their wedding. And so he was at the house, and so he's, you know, like, dude, do I have to go to the family meeting? We're like, yep, you have to go to the family meeting. And so, you know, our future son-in-laws, you know, we pull him in, and we just sit down, and we unpack for them just like one of the most incredible painful things that have ever happened to us in our lives and and just like said hey this is what happened and um and you know this is this is how we're going to respond and and we're, we just said we're going to choose together to lean into the lord in this moment and trust him to see us through it and we don't know where this is going or how it's going to play out but we trust him and um that those are powerful moments when we can let our kids watch us walk through pain and watch us walk through difficulty and see how we're going to respond and see how we lean. What a faith-building thing for our kids. And, and we're not here because we have this all figured out or because we're experts in this. We just happen to know the one who is an expert. And so we're just trying to share what we've learned and some of the things that God has, has helped us to walk through. But those are powerful moments. And our, and our kids have reflected on, on that many times to us uh, about what, what that's done in their lives. Yeah, it was reminding me, our son-in-law, he is now our son-in-law. Um, he made it he, through the family meeting. He made it through the family meeting, grew up in the church that we were ministering in, and um, he said, Mom, he always called us mom and dad. He said, Mom and dad, one thing I know about you is that um, you always, you always get through it, and you always do it God's way, and, and you always make things better on the other side. And that is a powerful thing to hear from your kid. But, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, so that's kind of a serious part of, you know, hearing God's word and doing what it says. Uh, it also reminds me of, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, sometimes your kids, you know, they, they know that uh, these are principles that you're trying to live for yeah. and, and, and live with. Well. 
and we don't always do it well, yeah. And so um, there was a moment that Tina was actually having this interaction with our oldest daughter when she was pretty little, and uh, it turned out that in that moment, Tina was wrong, and she, you know, was, so was having this conversation with her oldest daughter, saying, like, Mom, Mommy was wrong, and um, will you forgive me? And so Lauren forgave her, and, and she, Tina also mentioned needing to ask Jesus for his forgiveness, too. And she goes, I want to see you do it right now. <laughs> like, she wanted Tina to I ask like, Jesus to forgive snipey. her right there in that moment. And, you know, like, I'm sure everything in here was like, <laughs> I love you, um, but I did it. she I did, did, she did, uh, but being that hearer and doer of what God's word says, and, um, you know, sometimes our, our kids help us do it right now. Yeah. 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 It is. It's good stuff. Like, it, it's, it's okay for our kids to walk through when we're wrong also, you yeah. know, and to just live out loud so they can see what this looks like, because yeah. we are imperfect people, Right. Um, and if you need a reminder, they're, they're there to give it to you. They are. They're, they're really good about that. Dad challenge number six. I love, love, love that I get to do this one. Pray for your kids. Yeah. Pray for your children. Sometimes people get really intimidated by prayer. They're like, well, I'm not a really good prayer. Man, praying just means talking to God, just bringing your requests before the Lord. Um, it doesn't have to be fancy. Uh, Chronicles, First Chronicles 29, 19. Give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey your commands, laws, and decrees, and do everything necessary to build his temple for which I have made these preparations. This is David's prayer for his son, um, that, that God would give him his, the wholehearted desire to obey his commands, yeah. that God would give him the wholehearted desire to build the temple where, where his people would come together and worship. Man, is that a prayer that we want to pray for our kids, right? Yeah. That they would have a wholehearted desire to follow after God. And my question to you is, what are you asking God for, for your children? That's good. Michael Ferris in his book, What a Daughter Needs from Her Dad, says, God, for his own mysterious reasons, has chosen to work among us in response to prayer. Prayer will keep your heart tender toward the precious life with whom you have been trusted. Prayer will keep a channel open to God so that he can more readily prompt you to remember to do what is right for your little one. Man, sometimes that prayer just looks like, God, help. Help yeah. us right now. Prayer will also help you remain aware of your responsibility to lead your child towards spiritual maturity. Yeah. And sometimes it's okay to pray out loud. You know, in front of your children. Mm -hmm. I, I hope that our children remember their dad on his knees praying for them. I hope our children may remember their dad next to them at their bedside praying for them. For whatever it was, was bothering them or just as a preparation for the day ahead. Or just as a word of thanks for what God did in that day. But, but pray for your kids. Pray for their development. Their moral character as men and women. Pray for their spouse. It's never too soon to pray for your child's spouse. And if you're grandparents in this room, please be praying for your grandchildren's spouses. And if you don't have grandchildren, I have five, and I will give you their names. I'm happy, happy and, to and help you help me. Keep praying for them after they have their spouses too. Amen. Like yeah. that's been one of the coolest things for me as, as our girls have 
found husbands and are now leading their own families mm-hmm. is um, I, I usually start off the year and we have this family text thread mm-hmm. that um, is kind of insane most of the time. But <laughs> usually at the beginning of the year, you know, I'll, I'll just send out a message to the, ta- the, the family in that thread and just like say, hey, dad's starting a new year and uh, this is kind of the way I'm tackling my prayer life this year. So uh, there's been years where I've given each of them a day of the week. And so I was like, hey, every Monday, just so you know, dad's praying for you. And another one would get Thursday and they'd know, send me your list. Tell me how I can be praying for you Uh, or, you know, different things like that. So, yeah, I mean, if your kids are still, you know, littles and and you're looking ahead, praying for their future spouse is awesome. But but never stop. Never stop. Pray for your children and and for protection over them as they move through the brokenness of the world. Because it impacts them in a powerful way. They experience that at school. They're going to experience it at sports. They're going to experience it at work, at church, in their friendships. Mm-hmm. So be praying for your children. Pray bold prayers for your kids. Sometimes, you know, your kids are going to come home, or you're old, you're young, they're going to come home and they're going to have a burden. And you say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray. Yeah. And we're going to ask God. We're going to ask God to redeem this. And you know what? It's a pretty powerful thing when he does, and we get to give him praise and glory, and it increases our faith, and it increases theirs. So pray for your kids. Uh, Pray that they will learn to love and obey God's word. Pray that they would grow to live a surrendered life for the things that God has for them. Pray that God would give them compassion for his people, compassion for the lost. Pray that God would soften their heart toward the things of God. And give them the courage to stand up against the things of the world. Pray, pray, pray for your kids. Pray that they would learn how to be good stewards of what God has entrusted us to. Everything. Yeah. Pray for everything. In all things. Pray for your kids. Yeah. We started this message with Hugh O'Neill and his realization that he was ill-prepared for the dad challenges that he would face. And we left him with this phrase, I had to take a fall before I saw the light. And he comes around to a new perspective after over a decade of stepping into being a daddy with with these words. He said, until the night of my great fall, I had always enjoyed my nightly lockup rounds. With Jody and the kids asleep upstairs, I would cruise through the house, a sentry in his underwear, turning off the lights, checking the doors, indulging myself in Lord of the Manor thoughts. I took an unseemly pride in pulling up the drawbridge to our fortress. Often as I bent to pick up a deserted yo-yo or a sneaker, I had dark out-of-nowhere thoughts about how I'd pulverize any intruder into Castle O'Neill. No matter that I am a man of modest strength, in my daddy fantasies I had studied kickboxing. I was devastating in defense of the home ground. The coroner would only be able to speculate as to the cause of the bad guy's death. Massive trauma from superhuman, probably paternal force. The truth is that some corner of my daddy heart looked forward to the confrontation. Actually, wanted a chance to prove myself, to summon my muscle and will on behalf of my team. No doubt my dreams of protective mayhem were cover for my day-to-day failings. Sure, I might sometimes be too tired to listen to Josh's jokes or help Rebecca with her homework. But in a real crisis, I told myself, daddy would ride to the rescue. The night of the great fall, however, all those fierce notions of fatherhood went head over heels. At the top of the stairs, my foot hooked Rebecca's baby sweet doll carriage, also known as a booby trap planted by fate. (laughs) I stumbled, grabbed for the banister, and missed. 
As I began to plunge and free fall down the stairs, I was sure of only one thing. I'd need medical attention on impact. <laughs> I remember the squawk of the doll in the carriage. Hi, my name is Sparkle, her computer chip voice said. I hit the stairs with a thud, bounced off the wall, and kaboomed downward. The doll carriage wrapped around my foot like an oversized ankle bracelet. As I crashed hard into the foyer, Sparkle went flying into the front door. Let's take a walk, she said. <laughs> I like taking walks. Splayed on the floor, I moaned, and then I got to my hands and knees and tried to stand up, but my right ankle wouldn't take the weight. I crumpled back to the floor, knocking over Sparkle on the way. Do you love me, she said. <laughs> Give it a rest, doll, I muttered in no mood for chit-chat. Even in my wounded state, I didn't forget my duties. As I stretched up to turn the lock on the front door, I suddenly pictured myself now helpless against the same hypothetical intruder I had poleaxed just a minute before. First, I imagined myself reduced to speaking sternly to him. Hey, Buster, this is private property. Then I imagined a different coroner's report. Neil died of shame that he couldn't protect his family. <laughs> Helpless on the floor, I had a snake's eye view of the house. Over to my right on the floor in the living room were a half-eaten cookie, a Dr. Seuss book, a soccer ball, a small sock, and Barbie's plastic friend, Midge, who was wearing only a single golden high heel. Under the phone table was a plastic wizard sword. I reached out and took up the blade. And as I actually wondered if I could use it against the imaginary intruder, I started laughing. In that ridiculous moment, as I brandished a polypropylene sword at a non-existent trespasser, I saw through all those heroic delivery room promises. Somehow the sight of all those sweet, silly artifacts of family life scattered around the room made everything clear to me. The enemy isn't out there. The enemy is already inside the house. I don't cry, you cry. It's this is good. This is great. Uh, the enemy isn't some crook in a ski mask. No, the enemy is fatigue and carelessness and all our cherished dumb ideas. The question isn't how many threats you can repel from out there, but how much affection you can summon from inside your heart. Inspired by a newfound wisdom, I somehow got up and hobbled through my night watchman rounds, still carrying my plastic Excalibur. I crawled upstairs into Rebecca's room and for a moment just watched my daughter sleep, savoring the huffing of the child at rest. Gazing at her, I knew suddenly and certainly that fatherhood isn't puffed up with promises. I knew that dad isn't tested in a shootout on Main Street, but in dozens of modest daily moments of shoe tying and cheerleading. Fatherhood is a thousand small acts of stewardship and hope, steadfastness and care. As I climbed into bed next to my wife, I rifled through my mental file of father failures, all the times I went ballistic over inconsequential crimes, all the times I managed to say just the wrong thing to the kids. Lying there next to my wife, I couldn't help wondering if I had enough father stuff inside me, enough goodness, enough patience, enough energy, enough facts about the Civil War to give the kids access to the human hymn. As I fell asleep, I resolved to make fewer promises and pay more attention. I still have a souvenir of the night of the great fall. Every now and then, I'll be walking along, stepping on a small stone or cracking the pavement, and I'll feel my ankle start to twist. Sometimes I'll even fall, just like the way I went down that night. But more often, my trick ankle is only a twinge, a sharp anatomical reminder of the two irrefutable father facts. First, fatherhood is a chance to fall down the stairs, to be clumsy and careless, to let children down every day in every way. But second, and far more encouraging, Fatherhood is also a forum for the best we've got, a chance to be fair and funny and noble and good, a chance to matter, a chance to be both humble and proud, 
to feed the hungry, comfort the weary, rally the faint of heart, and pitch to the very small. Fatherhood is a chance that we've been waiting for. And um, fatherhood is also the chance God has been waiting for. In if you're hearing this message uh, and you know you maybe have never made that decision to put your faith in the God that we've been talking about, the Bible tells us that it would be God's greatest joy. You probably should, but it'd be God's greatest joy to have us, each and every one, as a son or a daughter. And um, so, um, if to all of us, whether we've chosen faith in God or not today, um, my belief is that God, the perfect Father, is the only one that can truly help us flourish in any way and in every way that we've talked about today. And so um, for all of you dads in the room specifically today, uh, Pastor Caleb's going to come in just a minute, and he's going he's gonna to pray over us. And before he does, I just want to ask you to consider responding to God in some way. Um, we're not going to embarrass anyone or, or call anyone out, but simply ask that as, as we go through some of these things, uh, some of these places where as dads we often find ourselves, that if, if one of them stands out to you, speaks out to you, it's where you're at, and you want to respond to God from that place today, that, that maybe you just stand right where you are and, and stay standing, and, and Pastor Cable will come and pray over us in just a minute. But, you know, maybe, maybe you've not been in a relationship with God to this point, and you've been modeling your fathering after a flawed and broken model that we see in our culture today, and and you're ready to choose God's healthy, working, stable, joyful, flourishing model of fatherhood. Or maybe you are in a relationship with God, and, but you're trying to do this in your own strength, in your own ability, your own wisdom, and it's not working. Are you trying, you are trying it God's way, and you're experiencing some wins. You've heard some things that you're getting right, but you've also heard a few things that you're missing and you want to do better today. Maybe your priorities are not in the right place You've, you've slipped into serving yourself instead of serving your family, and, and you want to make a priority shift today. Maybe you've just quit being a dad, and you need to re-engage. You need to get back in the game. You need to rise to the challenge. Or maybe you've let the hurt of your own experience with your own earthly father impact how you've gone about your fatherhood, and you've allowed it to keep you from being the dad that God's called you to be because of that pain that you carry. Maybe you're giving it your very best and it's going pretty good, but you just want to lean into God today to do even better. If any of those are where you're at today, while Pastor Caleb comes, would you just stand, men? Let us pray over you today. Pastor Caleb.